Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Hello. Um, we finally get to find out what Fitz has been up to. And <laughs> we get to see Hunter again. <laughs> and we get, we get like the most we've get, gotten yet of Enoch. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, this is a very silly episode. <laughs> it is. It's silly, but also like very important to like both Fitz's like long-term dramatic character development and just to like the story. I feel like these these are the kind of episodes that I don't get as much in sci-fi shows and I as I want, I think, but it's probably a good thing because usually they're not done well, where it's like almost yeah. like checking off a list of like catching you up how things got to the, from point A to point B. Like they, a lot of them feel very rote and boring or, or, or don't feel important. But this yeah. felt like somehow it, it was very much one of those like almost load bearing episodes. I want to say <laughs> like, like a load bearing wall, like, like it has like a functional service and getting fits with everyone else and getting us caught up and explaining why he's not been around. But it also just pulls it off really well. And it was great to have our uh, long awaited and long talked about by us <laughs> since mm-hmm. he's last appeared a uh, guest appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like too, like this episode, like Fitz doesn't figure shit out until like the very end. Like he spends most of the episode not knowing what the fuck happened, which I don't feel is that's not like, like you said, like in sci-fi and sometimes fantasy too, like it is a lot of box checking in this, in this case, all that stuff just like came to resolution really quickly at the end. True. And it felt like it was good because it's a do it's a deus ex machina, but like it's one that we understand more, I think probably now having watched ahead, but mm-hmm. also just works in the context of one of these shows or in the Marvel universe. Like, and it, it, it lets Fitz fail. I think for the first time since, you know, in a specific way for the first time since he was going through that recovery from his TBI, you know, and I feel like this, when you said like that, he doesn't really just get it all at once that since Fitz had those kind of struggles reacclimating, we really haven't had a whole lot of times that he doesn't just get the answer pretty quick, either on his own or with Gemma. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to see him struggle to have to work for something and maybe never get it on his own. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, a sentient, a sentient Chromicon and trusted friend helped him out. That's right. Uh, and I also, well, hold on, let's introduce the episode and then I'll say what I want to say. Um, uh, if oh, but first, uh, we are part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC or their website But Why But Why Though Podcast dot com. We are super proud to be a part of their community. Um, so this is season five, episode five, titled Rewind, written by Craig Titley, directed by Jesse Bochco, originally aired December 27th, 2017. Um, what I was going to say is um, this episode, like Fitz is trying to find like a, you know, a physics. Um, he's thinking about this as a physics problem. And it's a fucking like magical nonsense, like inhuman prophecy, <laughs> like that ends up being what helps them figure out what to do. <laughs> like it's like that integration of like magic and science and like this, you know, kind of sci-fi bullshit type of thing that this show does a good job of and fits like 
you know, he's like the ultimate skeptic of all of this stuff. And Gemma too, it's like, I, you know, find, I found that, figure that out with magic. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she hates every time somebody brings up magic. But in this case, Fitz is using like an, in, like an inhuman girl that can see into the future, like, which is not, that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's Jibberty Jaff. <laughs> that is some sci fi mumbo jumbo if I've ever heard it. It's magic. Let's be real. <laughs> um, so it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting how, like, he's able to suspend his disbelief for things like this. And he just, it, it, he has been through this enough times now where he can ex- just accept it as, as real. <laughs> and and I think his desperation is part of that in this case. But also, like, I don't know, I feel like there's an element of, like, him feeling like he has to atone for his sins in the framework. Anyway, so if you forgot, like, many, many episodes ago. Now, like almost, almost half a because that happened before they went into the framework. Almost half a season, a third of I a guess, season. No, like a quarter of a season because this is still a full one, right? Yeah. So Talbot was shot in the head by LMD Daisy, and he is in a coma. Um, that happened a long ass time ago. That was when the Russian was like had other copies of himself that didn't look like him possibly <laughs> yeah it was right after they got out of the framework that's like either the finale or the episode before the finale right oh, that's right that's right that's right okay you're right i was thinking that happened before they went into the framework but that happened no that did happen before did Man, you're wrong. right no i guess you're right yeah because no. Uh, now my timeline's totally screwed up because they do the whole Ghost Rider thing. Isn't that happening simultaneously with because they think the LMDs are still around? Yeah, because when they get out, they have to talk to Talbot. He's oh, not shot yet because they because they have to they have to talk to him and he's and he has all the great lines about them being robots. <laughs> you shut your robot <laughs> yapper all. Oh, I'll weld it shut. <laughs> yeah, able to get Mac. Um, Ada is okay. able to save. Um, Fitz. Right. Right? No. Yeah, because, no, she's able to save Matt because he's, like, his body is in the base that's being flooded. Okay, you're right. This yes. happened after a framework. Okay. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was sure when I said it the first time, and you said, yeah. no, wait, before I was like, I have no idea. Like, I'm not as good. All, all you had to do was question it, and my confidence <laughs> disappeared. That's how my recollection of Shield's timelines work. Like, I'm like, I really thought that this happened before, and then they went to the framework, and and Talbot was in a coma while they were in the framework. But uh, you're you're right. I totally forgot. That was like a whole episode and a half where this happened. But but it, there was a long gap when it, before it came back. It didn't come back in the fall, right? It came back later. No, it did come back in the fall, but uh, it was. Just, it, it, but it was a longer gap this this season, and we're only five episodes in. Yeah, so, I think yeah. it was it was off the whole summer. It was off right? the whole summer and didn't come back in the early fall. Like it had yeah. it had it had premiered previously in August or September, but this time it didn't come back until like what like December first. Yeah, yeah, so so yeah, it, okay. it was it was an, it was an extra long gap in real time. And we were weirded out by everything. And, and, and this show is very good at confusing us with timelines. I feel like the yeah. whole show, is, it's, it's weird half seasons and timelines and time travels and stuff. It's like the, the game with the, the three cups where you're hiding. Yeah. 
So they're Jed and Mo are just constantly doing that game on us. Yeah. Like, which, which cup is the plot line under? Like, I, I don't fucking know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just noticed this is totally off topic, but I just noticed that Jacqueline is she's still in our server, our Discord server that we recorded. And I think it'd be really funny. She could just totally pop in here whenever she yeah. wants. I think uh of our guests what jacqueline and i i think uh kate is also still <laughs> yeah it's kind of awesome i know it's kind of funny we uh, me and abby had that happen we were recording a patreon episode and danny purtle popped into our recording but that day we happened to be recording separately on our own audacity because we were having issues with discord and so I still released the episode. You just couldn't hear anything that Danny was saying. That's really funny. <laughs> so you guys responding to a ghost. That is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and we literally, like like, earlier in that episode, we're talking about how like, oh yeah, like Danny, like some, anybody from, you know, wherever could just pop in here. And they That's totally really did. That's really funny. So That's fantastic. That's pretty funny. Anyway. Oh, Jacqueline's gone now. <laughs> 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 All right. So. We go back to the diner scene and Fitz is feeling all sad. He's kind of picking at his food and um and Gemma's like, You're not eating? He's like, Yeah, I'm just not hungry. And then the lights go out and um Enoch shows up and everybody puts their hands up and Colson's like, Yep, you know, I'm Colson, blah blah blah. And um Fitz is telling Gemma, he's like, All of this is my fault. I'm gonna take the fall for everything. And then all of a sudden he's alone at the counter and he's like, What the fuck? And then the cops slash military show up. I didn't know what to call them. They're both <laughs> kind of. Um and Talbot's assistant is one of them. And she's like, We're taking you away. And he's like, I don't know what happened to them. Tell me. That's the two yeah. things I'd noticed this time around where there were other people in the diner, which I didn't notice the first viewing or in the finale. Yeah. I don't know if you could see them. I think I don't yeah, think it's necessarily a con. Yeah, I don't think it's a contradiction. It's just they, they were out of view or whatever. But the other thing I noticed is when they were hauling them all away, a lot of those shield guys, for all they'd been through and being in the framework for so long and whatnot, saying they're hungry, they left a lot of food on their plates. I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> if it's the quarantine or what, and not having been able to be in a diner for a long time. But I saw like you know a bunch of eggs and toast and stuff, and I was like, what are you guys doing? Not eating that? <laughs> oh God, I haven't stepped foot in a restaurant in so long. Seems they were about like to order pie when they got frozen. I know. <laughs> they weren't done. It's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> um, so uh, he goes, he's in some interrogation room in some secret base, I'm sure. And they're inter- interrogating him. And he's like, dude, I don't know anything. Like, I don't know where my friends are. And there's a dude. And then Talbot's assistant is there. And the dude is asking about this truck. And he's like, you know what I think? I think you guys did this and you're just fucking with me and everybody else is in a room and you're fucking with them too. He's And then he yells, he's like, who's in charge? And this woman comes out and I always, I forget her name, but we'll, this is not the last we see of her. Um, nope. <laughs> um, and um, she's like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And she says something about like, you know, Talbot isn't here because Daisy shot him in the head. And Fitz is like, um, yeah, that wasn't Daisy. That was that was an LMD that looked like her, actually, who was being controlled by a sentient, you know, AI named Ada. And she's like, well, what about Jeffrey Mace? And he's like, well, that death was on me, actually. Um, and he doesn't really explain. And she's like, well, if you can't tell us where your friends are, you're going to stay. You're going to get locked up and you're going to be here for a very long time. And so he gets locked up in a cell because he literally cannot cooperate with them he doesn't know anything (laughs) and they don't believe him 
Um, and so he lays down in his cell and then he gets ambushed by some guards and gets dragged and put through a lie detector test. And they're asking him questions about his friends. And they ask him, where's Gemma Simmons? And he says, I wish I knew. And he's like, look, um, I'm smart. Like, I will do everything in my power to help you find them because I want to find them. Um, I want to know what happened. I want to know where they are. I want to make sure they're okay. And so the dude interrogator is talking to the head lady, Ruby's mom. I'm just going to call her that. <laughs> I, I, I looked it up out of curiosity. It's uh, Brigadier General Hale. Hale. And, and flash forward uh, for, to future spoilers. Uh, at the end of the season, when we find out she's Hydra, and specifically when Talbot found out she was Hydra, he starts calling her filthy calamari Matahari and Kraken. <laughs> so. Oh. Talbot. I'm glad someone wrote that down as a nickname in the wikia. Like, like that's like someone should just make a separate wikia for things Talbot has called someone and erase those from people's nicknames. <laughs> no one deserves to have that written down as a nickname, even a fictional character. Wow. Uh, any any of the things he calls anyone. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, anyway, Hale. Your general Hale. Um, so the dude tells her, he's like, um, maybe we should have him help us. You know, he's, he's smart. Like he was, you know, the brains at shield. And so she's like, what does he need? And he's like, he needs books, paper, pencils, and a TV to watch soccer. And she's like, make sure that's all he watches. And so Fitz gets to work and um, they have, we have this like uh, montage of him working and um, he's doing prison exercises, like pushups and crunches while he's also doing his, his research. Um, and um he gets brought in for questioning to like report what he's kind of thought about or discovered and Talbot's assistant is asking him like what have you got and he's like you know maybe I'm mentally ill and I just don't remember what I did maybe I did this and I don't remember and she's like he, he goes through all of the different like tr brain traumas he's had <laughs> and he's like I could just have had a complete psychotic break yeah and she's like no like everybody in the diner we interviewed everybody everybody lost you know two minutes like, you're not alone. You're not the only one that doesn't remember anything. And Fitz is just, I don't know if she says this or he says this, something about, like, um, there's, like, a high-pitched noise that was happening. Like He he mentions it. Is it? Okay. He's um, trying so to think of any of anything else that he's missed. And he's like, there was this sound, and then he asked for info on it, right? Yeah, he asks, he's like, I need more books. I need books on sonic frequencies and sound waves. Um, He's just, like, desperate at this point. He's just, like trying to blame himself as much as possible also. Um, and he also asks that they post a letter to a soccer fanzine. And so they're like, well, we'll have it analyzed by our like code crew to make sure it's not, you know, him talking to anybody, which it is. She's like, as long as it keeps him happy and he keeps working for us, like, I guess it's okay. She yeah. doesn't want to do it, but she's okay with it. And I felt like this is brilliant because of what it leads to. But like <laughs> the seeds that are planted, like, I feel like it's such, it's good writing because it's not, a hundred percent fake mm -hmm. like like you, you see the way he reacts to some of like the things like that the, some of the players are doing <laughs> and when he's oh, watching God. the game and he's so upset and i feel like it's a combination of stir crazy and just being a soccer fan being a sports fan like i've seen 
I've seen yeah. my brother you know watch a, uh, a basketball game and been like, Jesus, you you didn't make the team. It's okay. <laughs> like, it doesn't affect you. <laughs> like, it's you know Billy <laughs> screaming at baseball at all hours. I'll never forget. We were we were on vacation in Monterey. Um, cause I had like hotel points that I needed to use before they expired. And it happened to be like during one of the, like, um, like playoff games for baseball for, for MLB. And this stupid Dodger game was like <laughs> nine hours long. Like <laughs> I think they went to like a 13th inning. And so I ended up falling asleep before the game ended at, and I, I fell asleep at like one in the morning. And it was still going on and it had started like early, like in the evening. It was ridiculous. And he was just screaming and kept waking me up. And I was like, why is this game still going on? <laughs> why are you still awake? Uh, that was ridiculous. I was like, we're on vacation and you're making me watch baseball for nine hours. Uh, anyway, that's so um, <laughs> one thing I thought was funny is in, in Fitz's cell, he's drawing monkey faces on the wall to keep track of time. <laughs> Instead of yes. like cash that was funny. Like it feels, it feels totally impossible. But also, like if you were that bored, <laughs> like I, 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 I could sort of see it. Because my first thought was like, no one would waste that much time. But like, what else is he doing? <laughs> right, and it's so so cute. Like because of his love of monkeys, <laughs> like his six Very months cute. worth of monkeys by the time yeah. they're done. <laughs> um, and he's writing all these equations on the walls, and like there's a camera angle that they shoot of him. It's like from the wall's perspective, looking down on him where he's writing, and it, it reminded me of Coulson when Coulson is doing his crazy car crazy carving shit. Like, and it has that same feel of of like desperation and like like crazedness it does you, you mentioned like the prison uh movie or tv tropes you know i feel like it's this is so, some of the same like beautiful mind stuff where it's like even though they're giving him tons of legal pads like he's never seems to be out of legal pads and, and and uh pencils and pens he still seems to need to write on the wall so like, it's like i don't know that's the thing <laughs> And then, of course, he yells at the TV when the soccer game goes bad, and he's like, "Let him! Be, who let you be a keeper?" Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I was fully expecting him to throw the TV. He didn't get that far. I thought <laughs> he, he was too, but yeah, we 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 weren't privy to his long game yet. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so um, we get more montage. And he cheats, he keeps giving this team like these obviously very crazy reports of. You know, whatever he can find. Every time he's asked, he's like kind of losing it. His hair is getting long. He looks a little crazy. And he's getting a little um, bit of a scraggly beard growing. And he keeps getting he's getting a subscription to this fanzine. He op like there's a scene of him like opening it and reading it, and then he like throws it on the desk and he's like fed up with it. Onto a um, pile of another one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, and and he's reading specifically the fan letters sections, yes. like which is interesting. And they, they they the one like glimpse we get to see what he wrote uh they they don't read much of it back but she says like this is the only part or this is the like the 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 least profane part or something and it was still like just yelling about the heaper sucking <laughs> like so apparently it's just him cursing out players yeah he says it it's like some like british slang cursing too it's like not america it, it sounds like nonsense to american ears absolutely <laughs> um so apparently it's been six months and he's still got nothing um and they're like okay this is your last chance and he's like okay they were abducted by aliens <laughs> and they're like okay no more books you're done 
And then all of a sudden, Fitz's attorney shows up, and it's Hunter. <laughs> and I I remember the first time seeing this, me and Billy were just, like, screaming. We're like, oh, my God. Like, well, I'm pretty sure I texted with you about it very shortly after. <laughs> I, I remember being very, very happy. Yeah, it was such a good reunion, such a good way to bring him back for a short time. Um, so they're chatting and Fitz is like, where have you been? And he, he's like, I wrote this, my letter six months ago and him and Hunter start arguing about soccer. And then they like are like a really heated argument. And then they just kind of stop and he's like, I missed you. And then they hug and Hunter tries to kind of pull away and Fitz like doesn't want to let go. And it's he's really like, cute. Like, like, he's like, we can, he's like, there'll be, there'll be time for more hugs later, buddy. <laughs> he's like, it's so sweet because he is. He is like it's not it's less like uncomfortable and more like we just gotta keep moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, no, no, I want to hug too, but we got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very, very sweet. It's so sweet. And Fitz is like, okay, well, where are we? And he's like, oh, you're in some secret base that's you know off the map, whatever. And he's like, Fitz is like, okay, well, you know, uh, you know, we've got to put a plan together. I haven't figured out how we're gonna escape yet. And Hunter is like pulls something up on his Apple Watch and is like, it looks like a weapons um, tracking system. He's like, okay, Fitz, move like a foot over to the side and there. Okay, cool. And then all of a sudden the wall blows in and he's breaking him out. And Fitz is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and but you didn't give course, me an escape plan. So I came up with one. <laughs> and of course it's Hunter. So it's a very incomplete escape plan. So they run outside and he's like, cool, our, our guy's coming. And a helicopter comes like flying through the air and it's like clearly flying out of control and it crashes. And. Hunter's like, oh, he, shit. He's, he's, well, it, but right before it crashes, he says, that's Rusty. He's the best helicopter pilot of money, that money can buy. And he just, it's like, it's like it just falls. Like, it's such like, a well, bad. it's the best helicopter pilot that I could buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's like, it's cool. I got this. Like, he was just supposed to be a distraction anyway. And there he is, distracting. So they they go on foot to this RV that is parked on the side of the road. And apparently this is Rusty's RV and this is going to be their getaway car because no one would suspect them trying to get away in a beat up old RV. <laughs> so this is their plan. This is this is Hunter's plan because <laughs> it's Hunter. Um, Hale is like, how the hell did he even get an attorney? <laughs> he didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and how did the attorney know where he was or find him or whatever? And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just like, what the fuck? Like, and then they were like, oh, he was, you know, he, we did let him write letters, but we had everybody check for code and we couldn't find anything. It just sounded like, you know, crazy soccer fan raving. She's like, well, check them again. Um, figure out who he's working with. And um, so Fitz is on his phone madly searching the internet for clues about his friend's disappearance and and hunter clearly fitz has told hunter the story of like the lmds and and ada and the framework and he's like well everything you're you know everything sounds pretty you know sounds pretty terrible except for the sex robot <laughs> fitz gets all up and he's like no no don't say that uh. i thought hunter is like on the same page as us <laughs> Um, when he's and he says what the other characters were dancing around with with uh, with Radcliffe, like he just says it immediately. And it is, it's like I'm, I feel like Fitz when he hugged him, where it's like I missed you, man. <laughs> like, like you're the only, oh, he's the only character on the show that would have just laid it out on the line like that. <laughs> yep. Um, and so Fitz asks about Bobby, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we're doing great. We're doing our own thing. Distance is our, you know, our friend." And he's like, "What about Gemma?" And, you know, if it's, you know, it's like distance is our curse. 
when he um, says explicitly what they hinted at, I think once last season finally, which is them absorbing what we've been saying as fans forever that the universe doesn't want them to be together. He actually says that, which is yeah, pretty crazy. We'll have another conversation about that later, which we'll get to because there, Fitz says a few things in there that really show how how much guilt he feels. Yeah. Over all this. Um, <clears throat> so um, the only clue that they have that Fitz has is this beer truck that was like in front of the diner and then left as soon as his, you know, everybody disappeared. And so apparently Hunter's friend Rusty was super paranoid and he has a whole setup and access to like these traffic surveillance videos. And so Fitz starts watching all of the camera footage. And apparently when that truck, when, when everything else went dark, the cameras went dark too for like a large radius around that area. And so he decides to follow the truck through the cameras. And he's like, oh, no, no, that's not it. That's a that's a that's a postal truck. And oh, no, that's a different truck. And then Hunter's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you sure? And so they realize that this truck can change its logos. And so they track the truck to wherever it ended up, which is Enoch's house. <laughs> um, and Enoch opens up his fridge and he has a fridge full of coconut water for whatever reason. <laughs> Um, Enoch likes swimming in coconut water. This is his his human life. <laughs> um, can can Chromacons eat? I I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I just was like, huh? Maybe that's just for show because I don't know. He opened the I don't whatever. Or he has guests. Yeah, here. Would you like some coconut water? Um, I could see Enoch offering. It has electrolytes and it's. <laughs> <laughs> always so concerned for humanity um so hunter and fitz show up and enoch's like oh i've been expecting you and hunter's upset he's like hey we're here to surprise you why aren't you more upset and then um they're like they walk over into um, an office and the wall is covered in these drawings that are these strange symbols they look alien and he shows them the footage on this computer um the room with the other monolith and they see the team get, you know, basically swallowed up by the monolith and they were taken to the future. And Enoch tells them that he himself was sent here, you know, thousands of years ago to observe this species, the human species. He's, he's an anthropologist, he explains, which is so funny to me to think of, <laughs> a, a, of, a, of another species having anthropologists because to us, it's like the study of ours, of, of society and history and you know, all these different things and art and culture and humanity. And to them, it's like, you know, being an entomologist, just, you know, studying bugs, like they're studying yeah. people, <laughs> which is, I think, kind of fascinating. Anthro is the is the prefix for human, right? <laughs> like, like, so it's, yeah, studying humans. Yeah. Um, and he tells, "I am a sentient chromacon," and I put in in parentheses, "entrusted friend." That they because don't know he that will yet. be. Yeah. <laughs> Even Enoch doesn't know that yet. No, it's so great. I'm so glad he's still around. Um, and anyway, Enoch has sent them to the future because. Uh, the shield team to the future because they were part of a prophecy and Fitz was left behind because he was not a part of this prophecy. And so Fitz is like, can you take me to the future? And Enoch is like, well, the stone can only be activated on the other side. And I only, I knew when it would open. So that's, you know, when I sent them, that's all I knew. And Fitz is like, well, take me to the seer who had, who gave you this prophecy. I'm sure she knows. And so, um, 
Enoch is kind of like waffling back and forth. And so Fitz grabs Hunter's gun and pulls it on Enoch and, and, and smashes him to the desk and has the gun to his head and is like, take me to her now. And you could see Hunter's face in the background. He's like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Who is this guy? Um, so Enoch is like, that wasn't necessary. I'm here to help you. And he takes them to this park where Robin and her mom are. So Robin is the seer. Um and meanwhile, the military or whoever this is busts into Enoch's house and um, uh, they're obviously there following um, Fitz and Hunter. And um, Robin's mom knows Enoch. She's like, oh, hi, Enoch. Like they clearly have a relationship, like a friendly relationship. And Fitz um, sits down. He tries to talk to Robin as she's drawing. And he's like, hey, um, uh, you know, I'm friends with Daisy and he, cause she knows Daisy from when she saved them and she was giving them money as well. Like when she was in her goth phase, right? <laughs> He's like, I'm friends with Daisy. And she kind of stops drawing for a moment and then she starts up again and just continues to ignore him. Um, and meanwhile, Enoch's house, it's uh, Talbot's assistant and the other dude that was interrogating Fitz. And they're looking at the drawings and, She's like, you know, all that crazy, like, magic ball mumbo jumbo shit that he was talking about? It's all real. Because she pulls up a drawing, and it is of the two of them in the kitchen, because the guy is eating an apple, and he's holding an apple in the drawing. <laughs> well, and, and, she, and she'd asked before, like, you know, who lives in the house? Like, it, was just, it just appears to be one, you know, one adult man. And they were looking at, and she was looking at the drawings. But before that, and, like, I remember, I think we talked about it after the finale or premiere Oh, this must have been the premiere uh, about how we couldn't remember if they ever explain. I can't remember if it's in the episode or if we just talked about it one on one, but we weren't sure if they ever explained the, the drawings on Enoch's fridge. Oh, <laughs> and that's right. Yeah. They totally do. I, 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 I'm so glad there's an explanation, but I also would have been fine if Enoch just drew childlike pictures. <laughs> I, I'm. I had, I I knew that Robin was the one who gave the prophecy, but for some reason I didn't connect that her and Enoch like knew each other for you know whatever reason. Right. What, what, what I just I just had forgotten this this moment. And the one thing I we don't get in this whole sequence that I remember wondering if we would get both. I think on the original watch while it was happening and the rewatch, knowing this was this, this was what this episode was containing. But who are all those dudes Enoch is with when the he beginning? takes them? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if we ever get an answer to that. I don't think we ever do, which is a little weird because <laughs> everything else I feel like is pretty well explained, but they never get to that. Yeah. Cause they're human. They're like, right? or it would appear to be. So I'm watching a football game at a friend's house or whatever. Right. Really like working for a sentient Chromicon and trusted friend. <laughs> and, and like like if he has the resources to like hire people or whatever like why doesn't he do that all the time <laughs> i don't know it's it's, 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 it's interesting why does he have bodyguards at his house <laughs> yeah if he, if he knows he the prophecy well like, he has a reason that he explains in a second why he doesn't intervene always right no that's true <laughs> um so um hunter crouches down and he asks robin if he can see her drawings and he takes one and it's the world like the earth with all these crazy lines around it, almost like it's quaking. <laughs> and um, Robin is the one who's been writing in this weird ancient language. And suddenly, suddenly she looks up and turns over and she, there's people that are walking towards them in the park. And she's like, they're coming for us. And um, Enoch is like, hurry, put these in your ears. And um, Talbot's assistant walks up and all of a sudden 
they just disappear and they've lost a half an hour of time. So everybody's in the RV now. Robin, her mom, Enoch, Hunter, Fitz, they're all there. And Enoch is taking them to the place he sent everyone else. It's called the Lighthouse. And he pulls up that little um, postcard that we saw in the future, but in a past episode. (laughs) Um, And Fitz is like, what is this place? He's like, unknown. (laughs) Enoch doesn't know anything about this place. Um, So Hale is trying to figure out who this child is and like what she's drawing. And she has this line of, I want you to find her and control her. It's better that she's on our side because she could reveal secrets. <laughs> um, so as they're walking into the lighthouse, Enoch tells them that they are the only four people in the entire world that know about this place. Enoch tells Hunter, or Hunter's like, why don't you just ask, you know, the the little girl? Like, she seems to know what's happening. And Enoch's like, you know, it's it's better that she reveal things in her own time. It's better not to interfere with her. And Fitz is like, well, you uh, were interfering pretty hard with us when you sent my friends into the future. And Enoch tells them this is his one exception. His kind has this one exception, um, and it's an extinction-level event. So he's not willing to interfere otherwise. <laughs> and he doesn't know what's going to happen. Um what Fitz asked him what will happen and Enoch's answer is, answer is unknown. <laughs> um Fitz um is sitting on the ground he's looking at photos of Gemma on his phone he's being very sad and Hunter's like looking at Robin he's like dude can you imagine being her like that sucks like to know everything that she knows and not being able to do anything about it. Um and Fitz tells Hunter Robin's story, which I'm really glad he did because at the time I didn't remember. I just remembered that this was someone that we had in the past met before, but I didn't know anything about it. I couldn't remember like where she came from. So he gives the story in detail. Like her father was the one who could see everybody's impending death and Daisy, he saved Daisy and she saved them. And um, when, when Fitz tells Hunter about, um, like how the the dad like couldn't be he couldn't have any human contact he couldn't be with his child he couldn't be with his wife hunters like um you guys call these things gifts like this sounds terrible um and then he tells hunter about him and simmons and how they got together and then this is where he says it seems like the universe doesn't want us to the universe is trying to protect Gemma from me um from who i was in the framework um and Hunter asks him if that's the Fitz that put a gun to Enoch's head and that he kind of he's like, I kind of liked that Fitz. It got, you know, it, it, it got us to where we needed to be. Um, and Fitz is like, maybe that's why they left me behind. It's so sad. <laughs> um, and Hunter's like, well, why don't you ask the one who took you off the guest list? And he looks at Robin. Um, and so uh, Fitz goes up to Robin and her mom and he's like, how does this all work? And she says. You know, she doesn't really talk much anymore ever since she went through Terrogenesis. And Fitz is like, she went through that way too young. And she's like, yeah, she just sees past, present, and future all mixed up together. Like, it's all, you know, jumbled. Um, And she says, I want to talk about this. So she says, sometimes she doesn't even know that I'm her mother. And I know that Robin and May have a relationship that is mother-daughter-like in the future, of this future. God, that's confusing. And so it made me like think about like how like her mom dies, right? She gets killed somehow. She does in the at the very least, I think in the destruction of Earth, if nothing else. 
I can't remember exactly what happened, but she gets killed somehow and like May becomes her mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it made me think like, dude, like she doesn't remember that you're her mom because she thinks May is her mom. And I was like, oh, and made me really sad for their future relationship. And May's like, I don't know, her her softening. God. Um, and so Fitz sits down, he's like, Why am I not with my friends? And she gives him a drawing and she's like, because you have to save them. And it's a picture of a girl dead on the ground. And there's four people watching, <laughs> um, which I couldn't figure out what this was. Is this Ruby? Is that Ruby that's dead on the ground? I don't know. Is it Ruby? I'm not sure. Oh, I was wondering, is it supposed to be Daisy? Like, are they suggesting this? trying to stop daisy or or is it ruby and the and other people think it's daisy like the whole hail does later i don't know yeah i couldn't figure it out because the girl on the ground i think she didn't have like she had like light colored hair i think maybe it is supposed That's to be ruby because they do mm -hmm. Fitz does have to like kill ruby or he tries to right? yeah i think that that could be it yo-yo huh that kills her it's also weird because like there's so much which because she doesn't seem to be seeing multiple timelines. She only seems to be seeing the one that they end up averting. Yeah. So which wouldn't have had all that stuff with Ruby, but maybe maybe she does see multiple timelines. I don't wait, weird. <laughs> I know. I was like, what is this supposed to be a picture of? I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure, but it, it didn't like I it didn't uh, preoccupy me as much while I was watching it, but now you mention it, like I, like I, I have no idea. <laughs> like it could be several people. It could be like a way to stop Daisy from doing the thing that they blamed her on originally. But was that ever her? Was that always Ruby, or was it right Talbot? Yeah, like how do we even know? Ruby was the one who wanted to become Destroyer of Worlds, like in the new timeline. Like she right, but she also Talbot. like modeled after Daisy. Like, like, like who knows how it went down in that other timeline, right? Like, we don't, we only know like legends and rumors. We don't really know the full story, do we? Or do we ever get that? No, I don't think we do. Interesting, because I I remember watching it the first time, thinking it could have been either Ruby or Talbot who did it. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Huh. This will be interesting to see if there's any more clarity on the rewatch, and that if then in six episodes we'll have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's very possible. Um, so Enoch is like, I know how to help, um, and I can help you now because this is officially prophecy. <laughs> it's now on paper. Now I can help you. It's so ridiculous. So Enoch says, I was brought here in a capsule and I might be able to help you. And they're like, where is it? And he's like, it is in this base, this location. Hunter's like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the, that's the base that I just broke you out of. It, it tails military installation. <laughs> um, so him and Fitz pose as construction workers going to fix the, the hole in the wall that, that Hunter broke them out of. And he has this horrible country American accent. <laughs> It's not believable at all. Well, I've, I've never heard his cliche, but I thought it was really good. And with the number of like spy and espionage stuff I've consumed, I feel like it should be something that somebody brings up, if not in the same terms as like a cliche, like just it should be an idea that's put forth more. But the uh, Hunter says like it's espionage 101 that you never go back to the same location 
as a second person. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like you never go in with a you can use, use a fake identity yes but you don't do two different fake identities with the same people like which i thought was very very funny yeah i thought it was funny too because they do they go back as different people <laughs> yeah he's not fitz's lawyer and he's not supposed to be fitz so. <laughs> oh god and they have these ridiculous names too and the guard is just like really I'm like yes that is us um but they let him in and then they pull out these cages and it's like, these are very dangerous. Handle them, you know, gently. And when he, when he mentions the guy who got him all this stuff, right, is Cooter. Yeah, Cooter. In the scene, too, which I just kept thinking, like, his, I love that, that Hunter's American friends are named Rusty and Cooter. It's like right. he's like, great. He like, water finds its level. It's like, yeah. well, and he, the, he mentions that Cooter is the best at fake identities or whatever. And he's like, do you mean the best or the best money that you can buy? Yeah, which is pretty great. Very, very appropriate after Rusty, Rusty's spectacular explosive, explosive death, <laughs> you know, no. when he was supposed well, to be saving. I didn't mention this, but earlier when Fitz was getting ready to go through like the surveillance footage, like there, he's, there's ferrets in the RV. There's, right. So Fitz pulls out these cages and he's like, they put him down on the ground and Hunter's like, release the ferrets. And so the ferrets go running off. Just, what the fuck is happening? The ferrets go running off and they set off all the perimeter alarms and it distracts the guards. So Hunter and Fitz are able to go sneak into the building and take their chance. And um, there's tons of alien shit and shield shit in this warehouse. And they find the pod that um, they were looking for. And Fitz is like, come on, we got to get this out of here. And Hunter is looking at something else. He's like, I think we're going to be fine. And it's the fucking Zephyr that is in this warehouse, which that warehouse was like a tiny house. How did that fit in there? <laughs> like, what is what is with this show? And like, what's the what's the name of that? You know, you have like a small bag, but it's like bigger than the space. Uh, and- Tesseract. Yeah, it's like supposed to be holding, and it's all, uh, all the nerds that watch Doctor Doctor Who will call it a TARDIS. And the yeah. the phrase that Doctor Who says every season in the modern incarnation, at least, and probably going back like fifty years, is it's bigger on the inside. Is like the whole concept. And mm-hmm. but no, you're you're right. It's just like the playground and everything else. It's like they're constantly <laughs> all like everyone is. It, it it also just makes me think of the difference between the first what, like four seasons of Game of Thrones compared to the final couple where (laughs) it used to take them a season to get someplace because they don't have planes, you know, or boats that that, like, (laughs) they have like mechanisms that are like, yeah. But yeah, and and all of a sudden they're just getting places in like fractions of episodes. They're getting, they're circumventing the globe like several times. And it's the same thing on this show. It's like, how does everyone have light speed? <laughs> yeah. Everything's a black hole. Like it, everything contains more mass than it can actually physically contain. <laughs> and, 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 yes. And Los Angeles and middle America and Washington, DC and New York are all <laughs> like within five miles. Yeah. Uh, and we have multiple types of terrain uh, accessible from the one base. It's <laughs> not available in the DC area. Amazing. Anyway, so they find the Zephyr and we have the triumphant shield music playing and it's all great. And then all of a sudden the military shows up and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And um, they're on the Zephyr, like opening boxes. And of course, Hunter has just opened a box of icers, which is very convenient. And we get this like slow-mo scene of Fitz pulling the icers out and shooting the guys. And he's got mad gunslinging skills now. I was like, holy shit, did he learn that in the framework? Because I don't remember him having those skills before. <laughs> Um, Just, it feels like the framework could be a good justification for that. 
Um, and so they are clearly outmatched and Fitz is like, Hey Hunter, I need you to go get the Zephyr in the air, blah, blah, blah. And Hunter's like, shouldn't you be doing that technical stuff? And Fitz just turns around and shoots a bunch of people. He's like, just go. <laughs> and he's like, okay, guess you learned a few things. So they get the Zephyr in the air and they leave and they go, uh, they cloak and they fly away. And it's very, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like, finally we get a win. Um, so Hale is talking to the two agents that were assisting her, Talbot's assistant and the other dude. She's like, you two have failed me. I'm sorry. And she shoots them in the head. <laughs> Both of them. Um, like, I remember at the time thinking, like, who the fuck is this lady? Like, clearly she is not Talbot's successor. Like, there's something deeper here. And we know that there is. Um, of course, Hydra can never die. Um, what she so says? Back- what she says? She needs a cleanup crew. You know, I mean, they yes. could just be corrupt government people, but I'm okay yeah. with them all tying it into the same. Like, rather than create a new, just singularly evil military dude, like tie into Hydra. I'm okay with. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like they were infiltrated, you know, every level of government at this point. Um, and part of me kind of appreciates that a lot of Hydra is infiltrated, obviously, at military and, you know, these high government positions, because government mm-hmm. is corrupt as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's more true to life that way, for sure. Yeah. And, and, like, they even, I think they do, like, some backstory stuff, you know, in, in the season where they, they, they do kind of tell her story. And she is made, not like Talbot is, is made sympathetic or, 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 like, Ward even, but, like, you're, you're made to understand her a little bit. And... Yeah. Uh, I think it was Whitehall that groomed her to join Hydra, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, she did. But because she was a woman. She could never make <laughs> it make it up as high as she should have because they were Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and not only were they xenophobic and misogynist. Anyway, so back at the lighthouse, Fitz um, drills a hole in the wall of the lighthouse and he stores a cache of weapons, including Mac's shotgun axe in the wall, and he seals it yeah. back up. And like two extra hands for Coulson, uh, yeah. the gauntlets for Daisy, like yeah. like it's a All bunch of guns that. for a bunch of handguns yeah. for May. <laughs> like, yeah, they need it, to find where is that thing? <laughs> yeah. My friend, you know, Shield in the future is going to be well equipped or whatever he says. But I fucking love that the shotgun axe is like got to throw that in there. Mac's gonna need it. Um, and apparently this pod that Enoch has brought out for them is a cryo chamber. So Fitz is going to do it the old-fashioned way, I guess. And he's just going to sleep for 70 years in the pod in a spaceship with Enoch in space. And so Fitz... Really is so brilliant of them with their whole time loop thing. Since they, like... Did they know that they were going to had They had to have had it all planned, like, but do you think they knew when they they just had him, everyone but him disappear? That's what I wonder. Like, like, Mm. I I feel like by the time they got to this episode, because... It seems like in TV writers' rooms, when they have season arcs like this and Watchmen or whatever, they'll lay it out roughly and have people tackle individual episodes and then come back together and they see how it all works. So, like before they're writing out the full scripts, they yeah. know how it's all going to dove, dovetail in and out of the, the main story. But I don't, so I feel like by this time they knew, but when they first set it up, I don't think they, I don't think they always know everything. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's believable, but they just figured that out later because one of the real reasons why he's not in the first four episodes 
is because he had scheduling conflicts. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know, but it's fucking brilliant because, and also like how Enoch gets brought in, and, and that now they're like, you know, the Chromicons are an issue. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Does make me wonder with the way the Monoliths and the Chronicoms both like become really important in the next season, how much mm-hmm. of that they already knew, like, and what at what point did they come up with that? You know, what, I don't think I don't think they had it in mind the first time we see the first Monolith, no, but. I don't think- who knows? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do we know? <laughs> I, I don't know what the giant board with the with the crazy conspiracy board in the yeah. in the tangerine yeah. on a Whedon household looks like. Yeah, with the threads and everything. I really hope uh, they have one though. Like I hope they have like a vaulted ceiling with just a giant wall, and their kids <laughs> are just like, "What the fuck?" I, every day, they're just like, "Honestly, like care? I feel like we need one of those to keep up with what time <laughs> and who belongs and where, and because it's like." It's well, every, every time I read about summaries of this thing, I was reading like a bio of, of uh, Cassius <laughs> online. And it was like, we never actually meet the Cassius from the main timeline because no, he if he's ever even born, you know? Oh, it was like, oh, whoa, wait. Oh, shit. That's true. Oh, shit, like, that's right. Oh, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but it's true. Like, wow. All the shit's happening in a in a, a timeline that becomes erased. That's, that's fucking oh my god. Oh, okay. So anyway, um, Fitz writes on the postcard that Enoch, you know, had, and he leaves it with Robin, who's sleeping. She's obviously going to make sure it gets into the future, and it does because they find it. Um, Hunter and Bobby are going to look after Robin and her mom. Which, yay, although we never see them again. Um, and then um, Fitz and Hunter have this really good hug, and now Hunter's the one who doesn't want to let go. And it made me really sad because it made me realize, like, this is basically the end of Fitz, as anybody who knows him in that current timeline knows. Like, doesn't say goodbye to his, his you know, Gemma's parents or his parents. Well, not that he wants to say goodbye to his dad, but just like, He's just gone from this okay, timeline. Think about it. Forever. Think about it in this weird way, though. He's not because they find him and wake him up. I know. But then another one of them doesn't ever doesn't wake up for seventy four years, yeah. and then he gets arrested or he gets killed after he comes back with, that, yeah. with the rest of them. Yeah. Ooh, fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> this, this season is bonkers. But like the hunter in this timeline never gets to see his friend again because he's in space for 70 years asleep and frozen. Right. Yeah. And the hunter in that timeline and Bobby, we can assume, you know, took care of them until the earth ended, took care of Robin and his his mother or her mother. But then what about our hunter and Bobby? Like there, because their stuff's interrupted. You know, they did have that job, but now it's not necessary anymore. Yeah. Does anyone ever let them know? It also got my, the the, the two fits thing that comes up at, at the end of this season. It made me think like, the same thing is true now that we know with all the time travel shenanigans as Enoch, like the <laughs> Enoch that they left behind in the, in the thirties or whatever. There's another Enoch who's just observing earth for thousands, for a thousand years or whatever, thousands of years. So there's two Enochs running around earth. <laughs> yeah. Future, future Enoch dies to like save them. Right. Wait, what? Is that right? 
So it's Never a pack. It's, no, 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 you're right. But he goes back in time in the 30s. Like it's not the it's not the one from oh, the 30s. It's the okay, present one from our yeah. no, no, you, you screwed me up there for a second. I'm like, like, wait, am I insane? And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. You're 100 percent right. right no, but I'm not right. insane. <laughs> There's three Enochs. It was just one of them we don't one of them does die. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Uh, um <laughs> so Fitz goes into the pod and before he gets frozen, Hunter's like, I love you. And Fitz says, I know. <laughs> very perfect. That's yeah, it's perfect. And the very end scene is 74 years later. The cryopod melts. And Fitz wakes up and Enoch is like, hello, um, I have a plan ready for you. Uh, we have a few days to get ready. And uh, I don't know why I noticed this, but Enoch is wearing a scarf and it's really cute. It looks very human because <laughs> I'm sure it's cold in space. Um, and he pulls out the mask that Fitz was wearing at the end of the last episode. And he's like, you're going into a world where, you know, there's mobsters and murderers and, you know, and um, mercenaries. I hope you can, I hope you have it in you. And Fitz looks at the camera and he's like, I have it in me. <laughs> so sad and dark and almost a total bummer. I know. But he does yeah. like, oh, also I, you mentioning it makes me laugh even more because when I first saw them in the notes, I, I didn't read it right. That Enoch is wearing a scarf because Fitz is also wearing a scarf in his whole like Bausch outfit. I wonder so, if Enoch gave that. <laughs> what it just makes me think like, or do they match? Like, did he just give him? <laughs> did he give him his tough guy outfit? It like matches his tough guy outfit. <laughs> it's like it's just knitting like while he was waiting in space for seventy four years for him to wake up. Very adorable. I, it just makes me like Enoch even more. Uh, there of like Enoch and Fitz, or Enoch just kind of. Wasting time waiting and planning. I, I bet there's fan fiction of that. And but once you said Enoch and Fitz, now I just assume that, that uh, there oh, has yeah. to be splash fiction of Enoch and Fitz. <laughs> I, I I have no doubt of that. But uh, yeah, no, this was a really good episode. I'm in retrospect, like I feel like this is probably where I really started to like Enoch. Although the Talking Heads moment in the season premiere was enough to at least get me like intrigued like that, yeah. and the whole thing. But no, he's he's a great one of these characters, and like I I feel like too, I can never really know. It's all it's like a like carrot cake because I wanted a Smurf party when I was uh, two for my birthday, and my parents couldn't find uh, Smurf decorations at the uh, party uh, party people at the local Arizona chain that was owned by my cousin's in laws. So she couldn't get uh, Smurf decorations super cheap, so she bought bunnies because she figured that was close enough. So they gave me a carrot cake. And told me that's what I asked for. <laughs> so I'll <laughs> never know if I actually like carrot cake or if I've just been kidding myself my whole life. In the same way, I can never really know if I love Enoch for who his character is or just because I like all robots. But I feel like I like him just because he's like genuinely charming and likable. And like the way his story has been crafted, like he, he I feel like he manages to be one of those cliched types of characters, but still feel somewhat unique. And Joel Stoffer brings something to the table as the actor. Like he does a good job enough, like individualizing him. I just, I, I very much enjoy him. The care cake anecdote threw me for a second. Oh, like, it's very where bizarre. Is this going? Girl, it's very bizarre, but I did, it, it, it had something to do with it, at least conceptual yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it made sense once you finished your story i was like okay no it makes sense. um 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like you're right. Enoch is like super tropey, like alien robot observing humans, you know, but he's also kind of in- integrated himself into humanity at the point, at, you know, by season seven. Seems like the other issue with artificial beings most of the time or robots or androids is like, I've mentioned it before, and it was the same way with even with Robot May in a weird way, where it's like they want to have emotions of their own, or they want to be, yeah. you know, or, or, or and it was explicitly true with Ada. You know, she wanted to feel real emotions and be more human. But his desire isn't to gain emotions or to be human. It's to have human friends. Yeah. And I feel like based off of like what I saw at the end of season six is like Chromacons are capable of emotion. They just choose not to have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, no, I think abs- I think that's absolutely accurate. Like they choose yeah. to be pragmatic more often than not, but they clearly they have a mo- like like just the way they've operated. I think, yeah, like they're greedy and they can be, they or can be can be yeah. powerful. Or they at least they feel pain and yeah. you know suffering based off of like their world was destroyed and all that. Um, and they can seems like they want revenge too yeah. in some weird way. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I agree. I think that they already have that. So instead, it it does seem like it's just instead of that being the the gimme trope like that we all take for granted that everybody uses and makes their own mm-hmm. this is like they're just circumventing that yeah they already have emotions but they're still robots they're still robotronic in all the tropey ways but he also like th- th- like he like just, that goal of one hu- human companionship and friendship is super relatable everyone can yeah. relate to that right like mm-hmm. who doesn't and who hasn't at some point in their life felt like oh i'm an outsider and i want friends everybody does yeah. so and also you know, like yeah Enoch being this being that has been, you know, around or on Earth for thousands of years at this point, like, it's the one human that he's probably spent the most time with ever fits, like, at least 74 years together, and then a whole adventure in space. And it's like, it makes sense that, like, you're my best friend. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) It's super cute. And the idea that he was good at staying apart and that maybe the only things he ever did was involved in extinction level events like maybe you could imagine enoch having an adventure stopping a volcano or something you know like, like, like with people in the past but like we're stopping a new very like star trek vibes here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like i'm thinking of like stopping a nuclear explosion or something or nuclear war yeah. but um, other than like weird things like that you'd think he would have been completely hands-off and so it also it also makes their friendship like more meaningful like and like i don't know some just that much more special but for thousands of years he had no friends and now he has this best friend like it's very very sweet well and i feel like it makes sense too because fitz has that purity of like determination and passion and love for his his people his family his shield family and i don't know how could you not be inspired by this person who's willing to freeze themselves for 74 years to be able to save his friends like, no, that's it, a really it, it good totally point. It totally makes sense too. to me why Enoch would be would be drawn to that. Like, what yeah, is it, about it? His, what is it about human experience that makes a, a being being willing to do something this extreme? <laughs> yeah, he models he he models for him what it is to be a good friend, and yeah. so does Hunter. Like, like all of these exposure, oh, yeah. all of this first exposure to human to humankind and like real interaction are people who really do care about each other. Are, are and also you know seeing Robin and her mom and the way all these people interact and like. That's that's a really good point. It's it, it, yeah. he has like the best models like <laughs> for, yeah. for friendship. Yeah, it's so cute. Um, 
I know like we're going to get this story in the next episode or two, but I cannot remember how the Zephyr got to the surface of the earth. Cause it's the Zephyr that's there. That's like where Deke's dad is. Right. Oh, cause I remember them making like Fitz and Gemma in that timeline had to make the Zephyr like space flight ready. And they were like arguing about it somehow. Did they do it in that timeline though? Or they do it after they get back? Did they replicate it? So oh, fuck. No, I don't know. <laughs> because they, they that's how May and, and Robin de- develop their relationship. It's on the Zephyr together, like on the surface of the earth, isn't it? Or is it like some, you know, in space or whatever? I remember, but, but we know that they go back and do the same thing in our time. Cause they don't take the Zephyr back in time. No. And we know what they outfit it because we, I remember conversations between like Piper and Davis about it and about like when in, in last season when they were yeah. in space, like, so they do it again. And I'm wondering if the conversations you're thinking of with Fitz and Gemma are in the second half of the season when they're back in the present. Oh no, I'm so confused. <laughs> I just can't like, 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 but obviously the Zephyr got to the surface of the earth in the other timeline because that's where. Because Deke is Deke is alive, so clearly Gemma and Fitz had children. And but also, like I'm trying to remember, where did we get where did we get second Yo Yo, and where did we get second May? Oh fuck! I don't remember how this happens. It's so confusing. So here's the thing that I'm thinking of though right now is that there are so many weirdly <laughs> divergent timelines because there's the timeline that that they prophesize that they go to yeah. but in that timeline maybe it is daisy blows up uh, the earth but they didn't go the rest of them all don't go to the future they stay like on the zephyr somehow. but how does yo-yo's what is, right how, how, how does how does robin end up with may how does yo-yo end up old on the ship or, or, or on the lighthouse how do how does Fitz end up separated from everybody in that situation where he did because we see him freeze himself to end up with them and we see that worked so like huh <laughs> where's the other so that maybe so that timeline where the future yo-yo is from is the timeline that robin saw right and but then how does Enoch it cross decided- over into the other future where we we know fitz catches up with them and everyone else is see this is why it's so confusing because enoch disturbed all of this and that future shouldn't exist Right. Did Robin, do we see, do we see a third? I think we do. I, I think I've seen it listed and I was confused by it. Like, why is there a second timeline. one? A third yeah. timeline. I think that we see through flashbacks how Robin saw these visions or something. But, mm-hmm. I'm, but now I'm trying to remember like who, who interacts with this and how I know it, it impacts our May. How does our yeah. May learn about all this alternate dimension shit? <laughs> Yeah, Oof. I I'm gonna end up doing just what I did at the end of <laughs> I watched like the last several episodes of the <laughs> final yeah. season all at once and then yeah. and then then again <laughs> as we recap. I'm gonna end up doing that. I feel like probably in like the next week I'll probably yeah. finish the rest of this like, season. I, Cause I genuinely don't I it's all I know it's there. I know it happens. I know they they have a logical explanation for like all these people existing in these other in these other timelines and how it all diverges, but I just can't remember how it happens. It's No, and I feel like it's 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 a combination of 
a lot of things of probably my OCD meds helping me from <laughs> over-focusing on stupid organizational <laughs> shit that I don't need to. It's probably also uh, pot <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, uh, all the things happening in the world. But I, 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 what, I wouldn't be annoyed except that it is weird convoluted time travel stuff. And that's usually my jam. <laughs> that's usually yeah. where I'm like, no, I can sort this out easy in my head. I, I know exactly why Back to the Future doesn't really work past the first movie. And I don't even mind. Because yeah. like, whatever, who cares? And they don't mention it a lot. They don't dwell on the flaws. And that either internally makes sense or don't dwell on the flaws. And I feel like this show does both those things really well. But somehow it's become like such a tangled knot. And like you said, I I think in my head I have all the pieces, but it's even more jumbled than it already is. And it's already yeah. pretty jumbled the way they tell it and explain it. So it just oh, is. The, the last, the season that's currently airing and the last season has a lot of time travel and like divergent timelines kind of involved in like the character's development and relationships as well. So it's like we're already operating off. It does. I feel like the the newest time. I feel like the newest seasons a little easier, if like just because a lot of the confusing stuff's already happened and they're just kind of going forward. Right, like, right. But they're also raising new questions with each episode. <laughs> so. Weird. And and the what the next season <laughs> isn't even convoluted with time travel stuff. But I no. feel like I can't really put a finger on it, even though I have all the pieces in my head. <laughs> it's still well. I feel like up. it's the Coulson stuff with the fear dimension that's like that adds an element of weirdness. I remember <laughs> what it is, but also like I don't know. And I didn't really care for season six anyway. <laughs> no, for for a lot of the reasons you've you've mentioned, uh, like it's not it, it's not that it's like the a bad thing. I feel like it's just the lowest level the show gets for me. And no shade to anyone who loves them. I know a lot of people who do, and and I have no ill will towards it. But it's like it just it feels more like the, the third Stargate spinoff TV show than any other season of Shield. If that makes sense, like it feels like the the farthest removed from the original yeah. things that it was and that it's supposed to be, and that yeah. it got people into it. And it's not bad. It's just I, I think it's even, in some ways it was even ambitious, but it just. It was trying to be a lot of things at once with a condensed timeline, and that's not easy for anybody. So, I give him a I give him a break. And I think, like what we talked about with Jacqueline, like maybe those two seasons were meant to be watched together. So the yes. I feel like season seven is grounding us a little bit more in reality. As weird as that sounds, <laughs> because it is happening like in in like with past events that we are familiar with, like past presidents and yes. know, past decade, you know shield's greatest hits type thing and it's um, doing like noir you know detective story like like 30s hard-boiled detective stories or 70s tv shows or yeah. you know uh area 51 roswell type 40s you know yeah. you know sci-fi stuff like they're tropes that, that we're not just familiar with in fiction and in history but like just across the board like these are these are very well lived in uh stories and so they they do they just feel more familiar and very much more down to earth even if they are about you know aliens traveling through time (laughs) to destroy shield right space alien robots (laughs) that are omniscient space alien omniscient sentient 
who've been like messing with us for at least three seasons <laughs> like, like behind the scenes yeah no that's a good call <laughs> oh man all righty let's end here yeah. i'm sure our, our questions will all be answered within like two episodes and so and we're gonna we'll forget again comes out in a few weeks <laughs> yeah in like six episodes by the time this one posts we'll have figured it out where we're recording but then by the time that episode posts we won't we won't remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All righty. Where can people find you? I can be found at I Snow Nothing when I'm online. Where can you be found? I can be found at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Project Tahiti. We are on all the things that you want to listen to us on. Um, if you're a browser listener, highly recommend you go to butwhythopodcast.com because we do post embeds there for you to listen. Thank you all so much for listening to this convoluted um, time travel confusion talk at Project Tahiti. <laughs> it's a magical place. Bye. Catch you later. <laughs>